funniest player on the team for me is Belly, and it's the way he delivers for real. It's like when he delivers his jokes, there's no laugh, and you really can't even tell if he's serious or not. We deserve this win, man. Fox Sports 5 flying high in Motown. Oh, my goodness. I'm feeling great, man. I'm feeling the best I've ever felt. I'm excited. I'm, I'm all about winning. I know that the fans here are extremely loyal and passionate. And just like them, I, I want to become not just a playoff team, but a sustained playoff team and eventually get back to some of that championship success and contention. With the 12th pick in the 2020 NBA Draft, the Sacramento Kings select Tyrese Halliburton. Imagine being one of those players that's on a team that you know hasn't been in the playoffs in over a decade, almost two decades, about a decade and a half, and then being the first team to actually get to the playoffs. Just being able to be a part of that would definitely be something special. And if we can, you know, end up building a championship contending team, you're winning a championship in Sacramento. Like that's that's looked at a lot differently. You probably feel better than you do with anything else. Welcome back to another episode of the King's Pulse podcast presented by the King's Herald. My name is Brendan Nunez. Got Bryant West on here, as we always do, recording right after the draft lottery results. The King stayed at nine. Bryant, what's going on, man? I am a false prophet. I bring nothing but incorrect information and bad gut judgments. (laughs) How could you? Yeah. I believed. Um, Oh, so did I. You know, I tweeted it this morning. Um, every every draft for the last 15 times as I watched the lottery, I've always been, you know, hopeful, but I've never truly been honestly, uh, even in 2009 when the Kings had like a 25% chance at the top pick, I never truly believed they were going to get that pick. Uh, I believe this time. I don't know what the difference was. I don't know if it was just some weird, strange uh, onset of denial or what, but... Um, the Kings got pick number nine and, uh, lucky for us, that's not the worst thing in the world. Uh, no, it, it's not, it could have been worse. I guess the full order, um, and t- before Sacramento is the Detroit Pistons locked into the number one pick Houston Rockets, second Cleveland Cavaliers, third Toronto Raptors, fourth Orlando magic, number five, OKC thunder, six golden state warriors, seven. And then the Orlando magic, once again, sitting there at eight before Sacramento comes on the board at nine. And our plan today is just to go through a little mock draft of all the teams before the Kings, uh, not give all too much explanation, but just as a little exercise now that we know the order here and then discuss where we would go with Sacramento's pick at nine. Um, Any other things to lay out here before I just get it started with number one? Uh, I think we should note that uh, Golden State has the seventh overall pick because that was Minnesota's original pick. If it didn't fall in the top four. So that's why the Warriors have number seven uh, and the Magic have number eight from Chicago to the, to the uh, deadline deal for uh, Vucevic. So yep. but other than that, no, I'm good to go. All right. Surprise, surprise. The first pick Detroit Pistons will take Cade Cunningham. Oh, I'm so shocked. I know. Uh, I mean, it's the clear, it's the clear answer here. Um, and I'm really happy for Detroit fans. Lord knows that uh, they've gone through an extremely uh, long for most NBA teams. Not quite so long as Sacramento, but pretty long rebuild. Uh, they really need a star, and that's what Cade Cunningham is. And uh, You and I were talking about off-air. That's just a fantastic fit. Uh, Killian Hayes gets the secondary initiator he really needed. Uh, Sadiq Bey gets another strong forward who can uh, 
get him more catch and shoot shots. Um, Isaiah Stewart will really benefit from having a playmaker of Cade Cunningham's ability. Uh, just I somehow, sorry, I somehow forgot about Jeremy Grant when we were talking about it earlier. Oh, yeah, Jeremy Grant. Well, it's hard to remember that a rebuilding team like Detroit has such a good veteran player. But, I mean, yeah, it, it really wouldn't surprise me if we see Detroit make a real meaningful step next year. Just, I mean, Cade Cunningham is that good. But we always knew that. And he has Corey Joseph as a mentor. It really doesn't get much better. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> uh, let's hope um, – boy, I'm blanking on the Pistons coach. Dwayne Casey. Uh, let's hope that Dwayne Casey doesn't uh, limit Cade's minutes for Corey Joseph. <laughs> I'm going to be watching a lot of Detroit games. I think this team's going to be really fun. Yeah, I'm in complete agreement. Really happy for a, a team that really needs a, a boost of adrenaline like that. Definitely. And uh, the number two pick went to the Houston Rockets. And you're on the clock here, Bryant. All right. Well, it's not the most seamless fit because, uh, you know, the Rockets have uh, Christian Wood here, but I can't take anybody else but Evan Mobley here. Um, And I don't actually think it's the worst fit in the world um, because Evan Mobley is just so versatile on both ends of the court. Um, I definitely think he can play with another big man, especially as he continues to stretch his game. It won't be an immediate impact, but he can stretch his game further. We already know that Christian, a big part of Christian Woods games. And, uh, you know, I really truly believe in Evan Moby's two-way talent uh, and versatility, both as a, uh, a rim protector and a switchable defender. So honestly, there wasn't a team at number two that I wouldn't have thought could take Evan Mobley and, uh, He's just a clear number two talent on my board. So I'll snag him for the Rockets. Yeah, I'm in the same spot as you. Um, And I I think that, you know, Houston's extremely happy to end up with a top two pick. Obviously, we both think that both of these top two guys are real difference makers and franchise cornerstones potentially in this league. Um, So, yeah, good for the Pistons and the Rockets there. And then sitting third, the Cleveland Cavaliers. I'm really glad the Cavs didn't end up with the number one pick. Um, They've had, I want to say, four of the last 20 um, with some decent luck going into those as well. Um, But sitting here at number three, um, it's an interesting situation with, you know, two guards. And I guess you could call Jalen Green a wing. Talking about Jalen Green and Jalen Suggs being the two clear options available here when, you know, there's the whole Sexland duo. There's also a Coro who is probably a three. Um, so it's a little bit of a smaller lineup and I think they would ideally like some size, but I really, you just go for talent here and I'm going to take Jalen green. I, I think he is my number three and I think they could really use a elite scorer like that. I, I think that they can get to the point where they are a really high level offense. I thought they could have really benefited from, um, Evan Mobley, but they do have Jared Allen holding down the fort there on the defensive end. So I think that right there, you have a, a starting five moving forward that maybe is a little bit undersized when you're talking Garland, Sexton, Green, Okoro, and Allen. And maybe, you know, um, Jalen Green ends up replacing Sexton as he seems to be thrown around in trade rumors a lot. Um, but I, I can't talk myself into Kuminga here, even if he's the better positional fit. I'm going Jalen Green with the Cavs at three. Yeah, I completely agree with you. Um, I think Cleveland is in such a rebuilt state that they take the best available player and worry about fit later. Um, I do kind of like the idea of Jalen Green 
being the primary scorer on that team. I know both Sexton and Garland kind of are scoring initiators. So maybe Cleveland really considers Jalen Suggs here just because they need a primary initiator. Uh, and then they trade one of those two guards, but Jalen Green is the talent, uh, top talent here for me. Yeah, it, it's so, Green or Suggs for me, and yeah, definitely Lean Green. Um, so I've got Toronto at number four. I'm really happy for uh, Raptors fans, um, and I think uh, Jalen Suggs is going to be fantastic in Toronto if he falls there. It's the clear and obvious fit for me. Uh, Toronto definitely needs another guard to play next to Fred VanVleet for years to come with Kyle Lowry likely leaving this summer in free agency. Um, and Suggs is the clear uh, top four pick left on the board. Um, I think uh, I think he's going to be fantastic wherever of these top four teams he ends up. But I don't know. Toronto is, to me, the best developmental situation uh, of these top four teams. So... Uh, I would guess that Suggs would very much like to end up in Toronto and uh, play with that fantastic defensive core they've got. Totally fill that Kyle Lowry role if he does end up uh, walking in the near future here. And sitting here at five, the Orlando Magic is where it gets interesting. Mm-hmm. I think the Kuminga fit here sucks. Very much. Um, I think I think Orlando is praying that one of Jalen Green or Jalen Suggs falls. Absolutely. They shouldn't like if, if either Jalen green or Jalen Suggs falls to five, it's a godsend for Orlando and uh, a crime by one of the teams above them. So I, I don't envy you having them make this pick because I'm not sure what I do. Like I might consider Josh Giddy at this point. I thought about it, but like they, they kind of have, I think they really need somebody that can shoot. I hear our buddy uh, uh, Rich yelling at me. They already have their primary initiator. In, Cole uh, Anthony. Cole Anthony. What are you talking? About? <laughs> yeah, but they just need they just need more guard and shooting talent, and uh, when they need wing size. I mean, which is weird a- to say about them. That didn't feel like a thing before, but now it's really just Isaac. Yeah, very much is. Well, there is one three and D wing. I know. Uh, I, I think I'm doing on it, my Brian. Board. I think yeah. I'm doing it. Um, you know, they have another picket eight. I think I do take Kaminga here. Uh, I think I'm taking Jonathan Kaminga for the upside. Uh, and I'm talking about they re- they need a wing. I, I know the spacing on the team is going to be gross. Um, but they're really early. Gross. They're really early in a rebuild, though. Like they are fully embracing youth. So if, if they want to fully dive into that and just go for an upside swing, I mean, Kuminga is that guy. So I, I think uh, I am going to go Kuminga here at five for the Magic. Well, see, you and I agree that Jonathan Kuminga is kind of scary as a top five pick. Um, if Orlando's patient enough, and I don't know why they wouldn't then I get it as a long-term development pick, but man, that fit is just not great. Would you have taken Moody? Gun to my head, I think I would have. I think part of my idea was that, like, you know, there's a chance Moody's there at eight. I know he probably won't be because it's with you, but I think, like, if I threw (laughs) the idea that it was me drafting against you out the window, I think that you could talk yourself into Moody being there at eight. Yeah. Yeah. 
Well, I don't know. Moody, Moody, I've got uh, pick six. I got the Thunder. Um, and Lord knows, Thunder didn't lock into that Rockets pick, um, which would have been theirs if it had been outside the top four, I think. Uh, but they've got pick six. They've got pick 16. They've got pick nine, uh, 18. And boy, that's only that's it for this year. Okay. Um, in the first round, anyway. So, OKC is in the perfect spot where they can just take whoever the heck they want. They're clearly not trying to win this year. They're clearly um, building around Shea Gelders Alexander, who is such a perfect combo guard uh, initiator who could really benefit from pretty much playing next to any kind of guy. Uh, I know they just traded for Kemba Walker, but you and I both expect they'll trade Kemba Walker before the beginning of the season, right? Yeah, for sure. Yeah. So let's turn down the barrel here between who I think is the best player available, but I definitely think that the Thunder could use some defense here. And uh, I got to say, I'm just going to break um, our buddy Will Griffith's heart here and pair uh, Scotty Barnes alongside uh, Alexei Pogoshevsky for the ultimate Will combination. I think that's a pretty awesome offensive-defensive combination right there. Yeah, I think that's a really interesting team moving forward. Um, Yeah, it gives him time to develop his offensive game, and I think it'll allow him to have the ball in his hands a little bit more, you know, um, and, yeah, really work on that end of the ball. So, yeah, I think it was only a matter of time before Barnes came off the board here. I I like it for LKC at six. And now I have... The Warriors at seven. The lucky Warriors. Using Minnesota's pick. Um, you know, this is interesting. So Steph Clay, Wiggins, I guess, Draymond, and Wiseman. Hmm. I think, you know, I, I don't want to go for a more long-term project guy. Um I think for me, this is, this is Wagner Moody. Um, And between the two, um, I just like Moody a little bit more, even though. Wow. The size of Wagner is, it is nice. I I like the, I I like the floor of. Hmm. I don't know because it is really close with them, but I just see this shot creation more so with Moody. And I think that is just such a valuable skill in the NBA. You know, like I think Wagner can be better all around on the defensive end um, and just like a tertiary playmaker, which maybe, maybe that is better for Golden State and they could use a little more size. Hmm. I definitely, I definitely think that whoever you give to the Warriors here, I don't think the Warriors are going to be picking at this spot come draft night. You don't think so? No, I, I think I very much. Well, maybe if they don't find a deal, but I think if there's anything that we learned this year is that the Warriors are just not patient with rookies, and uh, I feel really bad for James Wiseman that he got drafted to a team that on draft night was all ready to claim him as the we, we would have taken him number one he's a generational player and then at the end of the year his coach is saying oh we didn't realize how raw he was going to be um and if they're saying that that kind of tells me 
the direction of this team anyway. They're going to trade this pick. But that said, I think if I they actually... are going to take a if they are going to take a player, I definitely think it's going to be somebody that they trust can play right off the bat. You know, I'm actually leaning a little towards Giddy right now as I think about it. Oh. Another playmaker to go along those shooters, which I, I guess, you know, spacing would be a little bit of concern with Draymond out there as well. But, you know, they, they've needed another playmaker to fill an Igodala Livingston-esque mm-hmm. role. And we know how great those two other guards are off ball. I, I think, think there's a real uh, case. I think there's a real case for any one of the wings that you've mentioned here. Moses Moody's probably the most ready. Um, Franz Wagner's probably the most versatile, I guess. Um, and he's definitely another kind of tertiary initiator. But if you're going to take Giddy, I totally get it. This is so difficult. <laughs> I think I am going to go with Giddy. Um, no, no, no. I'm going with Moses Moody. Uh, I'm sticking to it. Breaking my heart. I know it. it Breaking my heart. It, it makes too much sense. I think he, like you're saying, is the most ready. Um, there is creation potential off the dribble, especially when he doesn't have as much pressure as these other guys. And I just don't think the Warriors can take a guy that's a questionable shooter. Yeah, I I get it. I definitely think that he would have been my pick here too. Um, yeah. And that's going to really annoy me when. Uh, Warriors fans get to like <laughs> in a year they're all like, why was Moses Moody not more hyped? Right. Yeah. <laughs> it's the curse yeah. of a Kings fan living in Warrior territory. Um, all right. I am back on the clock for the Orlando Magic, and they have to take a shooter here. Yeah, I took Kuminga earlier at five. Yeah. Um I was gonna take Moses Moody here, but now that you've taken him, I have to take the best shooter left. God. Oh, God. It's got to be Franz Wagner. Is it I mean, Davion Mitchell? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, if we're judging this based off of what teams might actually do, if teams really, truly do consider Davion Mitchell um, a top seven pick, then all right, I get it. But to me, this magic pick comes down to Franz Wagner because of his shooting. And I mean, I, I don't I know a whole bunch of people are going to be yelling at me. He shot 34% from three. Yeah, he was shooting 38% before he had that uh, terrible last game. So I, I believe in his shooting ability. I think uh, the question marks around it are getting a little overhyped. Um, and the other thought here is uh, the magic taking Josh Giddy just because they need more playmaking. And, uh, you know, what? I, I got to take Franz Wagner. I, I understand that there's going to be a whole bunch of people in draft Twitter who have Josh Giddy as a top five pick and would take him for the magic here. But, uh, I believe in Franz Wagner. Yeah. That's I'm sorry uh, that I don't, I'm sorry. I didn't leave him here for you. That's fine. That's where I would have gone. Um, and now we're sitting here with the Kings at nine that we'll do together here. Um, but just to run through, what we have so far, first pick, Detroit Pistons take Kate Cunningham. Houston Rockets, number two, take Evan Mobley. Cleveland Cavaliers, number three, take Jalen Green. Toronto at four, take Jalen Suggs. 
Magic at five, take Jonathan Kaminga. OKC at six, take Scotty Barnes. The Golden State Warriors at seven, take Moses Moody. In the Orlando Magic at eight, take Franz Wagner. I can't tell you, Bryant, how sad I'm going to be if Moody and Wagner are the two picks right before the Kings. <laughs> it's happening. So options for the Kings here. Keon Johnson, Josh Giddy, um, Jalen Johnson, Davion Mitchell, just to throw out the top names. Um, Zaire Williams. Mm-hmm. Sengun. Yep, Alprin Sengun. Um, uh, I don't want to speak it into existence, but Corey Kispert is in this range on many mocks. Um, Kai Jones would be in the conversation for me. Yeah. James Booknight, I, mean, I guess. I think, I think you and I both have the same pick here. Josh Kitty. Oh, we do not have the same pick here. All right. Who are, who are you? I would I would take Jalen Johnson pretty okay. easily. That was the other one that yeah. I would you know, pop between. I know that there's a lot of both Kings fans and NBA draft experts who are very high on Josh Giddy. Um, the only thing that makes me hesitate, because I love his playmaking. Um, I, I do kind of believe that he's gonna be a shooter, although I'm not quite as sure about his stroke as I am like Franz Wagner's. Uh, the only hesitation I have is that I do not want the Kings to take another dude who is a questionable defensive prospect. And yeah. I know that there's a lot of good film on Josh Giddy making great help reads, being a good team defender. Um, and Lord knows Kings need more good team defenders, but uh, I want somebody with the potential to be uh, a difference maker on the defensive end. And I'm not sure that's Josh Giddy. So you the know, only you're reason my language. Yeah. You know, that's why I've got Josh Giddy below both Jalen Johnson and Zaire Williams on my big board. Okay. Yeah. And Zaire. Wow. Yeah. I, I can totally feel comfortable inking in Jalen Johnson here at nine. Um, I would have preferred, you know, any of the three that went right before the Kings in this Scotty Barnes, <laughs> Moses Moody, Franz Wagner. Um, but I, I can gladly live with Jalen Johnson at nine. I would be very scared that the Kings go Keon Johnson here. Yep. Um, Especially, did you see his measurements come out? I did not. He's not, he is uh six, four, 0.75 in shoes. He is not oh. a small forward. Yeah. He is a he is a guard. Yeah. Um, I, I don't think Davion Mitchell should be considered really at all, to be honest. Yeah. Uh, you and I are going to do a, a Davion Mitchell, Corey Kispert breakdown post in the next, uh, next couple of days. Um, and uh, I very much agree with you. Did you see his measurements too? <laughs> He's 6'1 in shoes. Yeah. Way too short. What, yeah. No chance. No chance. Um, yeah, I, I am. I, I am totally content with Jalen Johnson here. I, I think he's actually a really high upside potential player here. Um, you know, only saw so much during his short stint at Duke, and I guess some people have concerns with character um, after you know leaving a couple of different uh, organizations. But you know, it's it's hard to speak on that and. You never know with those type of things and the talent is clearly there. And I'm definitely with you um, after we talked between Giddy and Johnson that 
I, I can't stand watching the defense that the Kings have had and uh, Giddy could potentially worsen that or at least wouldn't be a positive impact when it came to that um, side of the floor. And Jalen Johnson has shown some weak side rim protection, which I think is one of the most crucial things that this Kings roster is currently lacking. Um, and then also, you know, transition would just be an absolute force when you're talking about Johnson, Halliburton, and Fox all being good decision makers. So with the ball really swinging around the way that it does in this Sacramento offense, I think him getting a chance to get downhill and make some decisions could be interesting. And um, yeah, we'll see how the half court offense works out. I think that was more of a concern at the beginning of the year before I saw the jump that Fox made and how good Halliburton was in the half court in his rookie year unexpectedly. Um, But that'll definitely still be a little bit of a concern there, but I am all good inking in Jalen Johnson here at nine. Yeah, and I, I want to hesitate only in that uh, I don't want it to be made like I'm thinking Jalen Johnson is this perfect defensive prospect because uh, he's not. He definitely had moments in Duke where he was both uh, hesitant or uh, clearly lost a bit on the floor. Um, but I really don't know how much of Duke's film to take as gospel last year. Um, and uh you know, we've talked repeatedly in the last couple of podcasts about how our buddy Brett uh, Huff noted how um, Monty McNair, everybody that Monty McNair has brought in since becoming a general manager is really high uh, defensive uh, block and steal rates. And uh, that's Jalen Johnson for sure. Right. Um, yeah. Uh, you remember this? Yeah. 2.1 blocks, 1.9 steals per 36 minutes. Um, block rate, 3.1% steal rate. Like, that's really impressive. It's a small sample size because it was only 13 games, but that tells me he's a defensive, uh, um, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Playmaker? uh, Playmaker, thank you. I don't know why playmaker skipped my mind. Happens. Uh, Yeah, and Lord knows the Kings could use somebody with his physical tools. Um, Let me pull up his combine measurements. I wrote about him earlier. Um, Jalen Johnson, six, 9.25 and choose seven foot wingspan and a combine high 10.5 inch hand width. I mean, he's got big hands and he's pretty good mover. He's not the most athletic or quick dude, but, uh, I definitely think he's got potential on both ends. Uh, I think he'd be a very solid fit in Sacramento, but you know, as we kind of went through all of those names, I do want to point out something that you and I have been talking about for a long time. I have a tear break right after Jalen Johnson between Johnson and Zaire Williams and Josh Giddy, but there's going to be a whole bunch of names from Williams to Giddy to Jaden Springer to Kai Jones to Usman Garuba to Keon Johnson to James Booknight, Alperin Sengun, even Corey Kispert. Any one of those dudes, I would understand Monty McNair taking. And I could definitely talk myself into them being a difference maker on at least one end of the court. Um, now I will say like, I, will I be entirely thrilled with a Corey Kispert pick? No. Um, will I love the fit of James Booknight or Keon Johnson? Not really, but I'll at least get it. It's not like, uh, I think I'm going to be a lot less uh, annoyed than I would have been last year with some of the dudes that were talked about it in the Kings range at 12 and who knows, maybe somebody falls. Um, 
maybe Franz Wagner, Scotty Barnes, Moses Moody, hell, Jonathan Kuminga could fall to nine for all the heck we know. Um, so I definitely think there's a lot up in the air on this draft, but here's how I want to end this conversation. You and I clearly were hoping they were going to get a number four, top four pick because those are the difference makers in this class. Is what is the likelihood that Monty McNair makes this pick in your in your mind? It's like a coin flip. I think it's a 50-50. Yeah. I agree. Um honestly, if you could put a gun in my head and you made me guess, I think I'd guess trade. Uh and uh this team wants to win now. And even though I think that there are a whole bunch of rookies who could make a solid immediate maybe not Tyrese Halliburton level impact, but somewhere close. Um, I definitely think this team doesn't want to be that patient or gamble on having uh, their best off-season asset um, produce rookie level impact next year. So I definitely think Bonnie McNair is on the phone right now. I think he's probably going to be on the phone until draft night. And uh, yeah, coin flip seems reasonable to me. Yeah, I, I think it's 100% on the block and going to be in conversations. It's literally just about the right player being available. Um, and, and to me, you know, if it's if this is Miles Turner and you're involving the ninth pick, um, I'm fine with that. Um, I, I think that, you know, if, if there's something revolving around nine swapping for 13 and including Harrison Barnes or something like that, um, but yeah, it's just about the right guy being available. That's my only hesitation on the pick being moved, really, because I think it's 100% going to be shopped, just like you said. Um, but yeah, a little disappointed that the Kings did not move up today. But, you know, they're still in an okay spot here. And I think that because it's us, um, Moody and Wagner went off the board earlier than they might. Um, and I would be thrilled with either one of those guys. Um, yeah. Johnson's Johnson's great too, but I, I would be thrilled with one of Moody or Wagner, and I think there's a good chance. Jonathan Cavoni just put out a mock that has uh, your boy Franz Wagner to Sacramento. Oh yeah, exactly. how quick? How quick would you go buy a, uh, a Franz <laughs> uh, jersey? Hmm. I don't know. I, I didn't even get a Halliburton one yet, which is really disappointing because those city jerseys were just so great. I'd have to get one pretty quick, though. Yeah. I think I might wait to see if uh, the Kings are going to bring back the uh, OG 1994 black and purple jerseys uh, this season, just in case. But yeah. Yeah. How quickly would you uh, buy a Moody jersey? I would wait until they announced one of those, <laughs> and then I'd go get Well, see, I need to get a Halliburton jersey, too. Which would yeah. you buy first? Halliburton, for sure. Yeah, I think so too. No question. If if the Kings had jumped into a top uh, two pick, I think I probably would have gotten that jersey first. But yeah, if they would have jumped to one, I'd have a Cabe Cunningham jersey on the way right now, right? Oh yeah, I agree. <laughs> <laughs> Wouldn't even wait. Yeah. Do you want to for well, fun uh, go through a rapid fire of these ten to fourteen? Yeah, sure. We, Let's we don't do it. have to do too many explanations. So ten yeah. would be you then with the Pelicans. All right, Pelicans. Um, boy, you know, if there is a top 10 pick that makes kind of sense for Davion Mitchell, it would be the Pelicans. They need 
yeah. somebody who's not a high usage dude in good defense. Um, but I don't think he's that worth that pick. So I'll go Jaden Springer instead. Wow. I okay. think he'd be, I, th- I think he'd definitely be a good defensive prospect who doesn't need the ball at a high level to, uh, produce, uh, for a team that everything's kind of up in the air right now. Yeah, I like it. And then, um, pick 11 is the Charlotte Hornets here. Um, and, there's a lot of guards on these team on this team. Um, they really could use a big man or a wing. I think that hmm. Okay, so options, Keon Johnson. I, I think I'm going Alperin Singun here. I, I think there is a lot of offensive potential there. I, I think that they really have a need for um a center. And I get that you don't want to be specifically drafting for fit, but I, I do really believe that there is a high upside for Singun. I, I definitely like the positional fit. Lord knows they need a center. They talked about it forever. Um, and if they take a center, maybe they won't be able to uh, uh, steal Rashawn Holmes from us. Um, right. I just realized that Toronto getting a top four pick and not getting Evan Mobley kind of would make them the perfect Full stop spot for Rashawn Holmes. Um, you know, I only sigh because I, I'm. I think Alperin Sengun's getting a little overhyped. I would have taken Kai Jones here just for the defensive upside, but uh, that would require Charlotte being uh, more patient. Uh, I don't think Kai Jones can be an immediate impact player this year. Maybe Alperin Sengun does. Uh, he's also an 18 year old rookie, so who the heck knows? Uh, I like the positional fit. I think this is a fine spot for him. Yeah, I, I highly doubt there's much impact year one from him, but um, I, I think being able to space the floor and play, like I think there could be eventually a really threatening pick and roll with him and Lomelo. Yeah. Um, you know, I got, tw- Spurs. I got 12. I think the Spurs need a big guy. So I'm going to go Kai Jones. Um, imagine Kai Jones in two years. Uh, he'll probably spend that first year in Austin. Uh, but just imagine Kai Jones developing in that system. Like, that's a great spot for him. I love that spot for him. I think he can definitely be a, a, a high impact two way big man if he goes to a really good developmental spot. Yeah. I like it. Um, pick 13 here, Indiana Pacers. This is interesting. Um, Keon Johnson, I think, is seen as like falling here compared to most consensus boards even though he's been falling on boards recently in general. Um, hmm. Well, you don't go a big man here for Indiana. There's not really a big man I love on the table left anyways, aside from Garuba. Hmm. I, I think that I'm going Zaire Williams here. I think that Indiana like once could use a, a real wing size talent uh, alongside um who's Tim's crush, TJ Warren, um, having two <laughs> real wings like that and being able to roll out a lineup with some good size and switchability, I think is interesting. Um, I think there's a good chance they eventually downsize and move Sabonis to the five if Turner does get shipped out and then you have some decent size to potentially play Zaire at the at the four or you play Warren at the four and, and then that's kind of your three, four. Um, so yeah, I think for the sake of getting some some size and also 
probably the highest upside on the table at this point. I'm going Zaire Williams at 13, Indiana. I like that pick. Um, I hope Indiana's patient enough for somebody like Zaire Williams because he could definitely fill a real need for that team developmental-wise, but he makes a ton of sense. Um, boy, Warriors are in another spot. Like They can afford to be a little more patient with the 14th overall pick, uh, although if they're going to package picks, it would make sense for them to package both 7 and 14. Um I'm going to give him Keon Johnson. I think yeah. that'd be a fine spot for him. Um, I think uh, they could welcome uh, – well, I mean, I talked about how impatient they'd be, and I definitely think Keon Johnson's going to be a dude who uh, surprises people with how raw he is. Um, so maybe I just doomed him to be another disappointing <laughs> rookie that uh, Golden State um, beat writers uh, – read bajillion pieces about in a couple of months, but um, low usage, high defensive guy his first couple of years uh, makes an impact off the bench. Yeah. I like that for the Warriors. Yeah, I like it. I like it. So that is our mock lottery right after the draft lottery order is officially announced here. The Sacramento Kings are going to sit at nine for us. We took Jalen Johnson um, with Moody, Wagner, Barnes, and then the typical top five off of the table. But yeah, there's going to be a lot of conversation from us moving forward, um, as there has been recently. And and sorry for the lack of episodes recently. I've dealt with a couple um, different illnesses and am just at the end of them. So we'll be getting more content, draft content specifically out here in the near future. And like Brent Bryant mentioned earlier in the episode, our uh, next two profiles are going to be Corey Kisper and Davion Mitchell. But yes, the Kings do end up sitting at nine. The prophecy was not fulfilled. Um, <laughs> but we're going to keep putting out draft profiles. Um, it makes the conversation more interesting than if they would have jumped, I guess you could say. Um, all the guys at the Kings Herald are going to continue to put out great work there. There's a lot of good conversation pieces in the threads as well um, that where you can react to different news like this. And definitely give a look at the Patreon to support local independent Kings coverage. And if you enjoyed this episode of the Kings Pulse podcast, please subscribe, rate, and review. And you'll hear from us again in the next couple of days.